Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie Murphy, and I will be your host today and till the end of time, hopefully. Happy Monday. I hope you all had a lovely holiday weekend. And I feel like people's spring breaks are coming up. I hope that's going very well. It got so hot here. Like in the last four days, it's been so hot and my AC and my car broke. So I'm in like a 30% worse mood every single day because I am so sweaty. At any given point, I could use I could use a temperature drop. Like when people ask that when you're at their house, when they're like, are you warm? Like my answer is always yes. Like I could always use AC anytime. But enough about weather and my sweatiness. I love our topic today. Oh, these were so fun to read and I'm so excited to go over them. So the prompt for this week or the weekly question was what is a petty argument that you are having with your spouse or your best friend or your parents or, you know, a coworker that you need my ruling on? I wanted to stay in my lane because I don't feel like I'm qualified to give actual advice. Like maybe every now and again, I have I have a good nugget that somebody could actually use. But I thought, you know what I could definitely judge on is petty arguments. <laughs> so that's what we did. Obviously, every ruling made in today's episode can be upheld in a court of law. So make sure you take me very seriously. That's obviously a joke. And I know what you're thinking, Maddie, don't explain that things are jokes because then it makes them less funny. But when I started getting DMs that were deeply concerned about things that I had said, such as, do I really believe that drinking plain milk is a federal hate crime and the person should actually be punished? I ha- Yes, I have had people actually concerned about that. I figured I should start clarifying what is a joke and what's not. You should take me seriously like 22% of the time. You know who I wish was serious 22% of the time? Rachel Hollis. I wish she would just come out and say that 80% of what she says is just a big fat practical joke and we're all being punked. Because every time, every time I see something of hers or I hear from her, I wish that I was instead being kicked in the head by a horse. But you know, that's another topic for another time and we don't need to get into that. But we do need to get into some petty advice. So we have a lot of these. We have a full, thick, juicy episode. 
So some of the submissions are shorter. So some of my answers are shorter. I normally, I mean, you guys know with like the date stories or the in-law stories, those are long. So they take up more time and I can usually pick between like 20 and 25, usually like 20. I don't know. I stopped counting a while ago, but now we have time for a lot of these submissions. So yeah, I think that that covers all of my complaints. Rachel Hollis. uh, Yeah, that was all I had to complain about this week. All right, let's get into petty advice. She says, my husband doesn't believe that camel is a color. That's camel, C-A-M-E-L, not camo like C-A-M-O. Okay. Like if I describe something as camel, he gets so mad and he says, that's not real. And I should describe it as tan or brownish. Am I wrong? My ruling is no, you're not wrong because camel is definitely a color. Like that is a very, it's like a, it's like actually quite common. It's not even like a fringe color. You know, it's, it's really really mainstream. Just like how if I said mint, you would know exactly what color I was talking about, you know? So yes, I wish I had like a, a gong or like a, a, what are those things called that judges hit? The hammers? Gavel. A gavel. I should have gotten one of those. I thought about ordering like a judge's wig and filming myself, but judges wigs are essentially just founding father's wigs. And believe it or not, they, they're not my best look. So I did not end up ordering one. But yeah, camel is is definitely a color that is that is a point for you. Next, my husband and I live in a two bedroom apartment, I call the room that is not our bedroom, the front room. He says that our living room is the front room because it is the first room you walk into. I think the first room in the apartment with a door that is shut off is the front room. Because out of the two bedrooms, it is the one in the front. He says that it is the spare room. What say you? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I hate to... I don't love siding with husbands. You guys know that I'm always trying to have your back if I can. But I would I would call that the spare room or the guest room. That's what I would do. Or like whatever its purpose serves. You know, like maybe it's an office. I would call it the office. I would typically call the front room in a house like yeah the living room or the family room or whatever is is right when you walk in oh I'm sorry I'm so sorry but my law degree that I definitely have requires that I don't lie so I just I have I have to be honest with you I wouldn't I would not call that the front room okay next up the biggest argument in our house is what belongs on Hawaiian haystacks Growing up, I always had cheese, pineapple, tomatoes, olives, peppers, coconut, and of course, chow mein noodles. My husband refuses to put anything sweet on his, so coconut and pineapple are out, and he thinks that the tomatoes and olives are super weird. The only thing I have come around to is that he puts bugle chips on it instead of chow mein, and it is delish. Okay, so I don't I don't know if Hawaiian haystacks are popular anywhere else. I remember having them like at school lunch as a kid, but I don't know. I don't know if it's just here. But for those that don't know what a Hawaiian haystack is, I believe it's white rice and then cream of chicken soup on top as like a sauce. And then it's topped with all of those things that she said are I've seen people eat on on Hawaiian haystacks, but that is not the point. The point is that ew. The point is no. The point is why do we continue to consume Hawaiian haystacks? But listen, I actually, as I'm talking about this, I think the only thing that grosses me out about them is the cream of chicken soup because none of those ingredients are very weird. Cheese, pineapple, tomato, olives. I mean, olives are a little bit weird, but whatever. Peppers, coconut, and crunchy chow mein noodles. If we replaced cream of chicken soup with just like 
grilled chicken, I feel like that would be delicious because really sit and think about food that you enjoy that includes a cream of anything soup. Nope. See, you can't. It's not possible. They don't exist. So my official ruling is I I don't really care what toppings you're putting on it, but please just leave the cream of chicken soup out of it. You know, I could be going on this whole rant and maybe it's not even on them. I'm not sure. But that's how I remember eating it when I was in elementary school. I would literally do an entire segment based on best elementary school lunches because you want to know what mine was? Mine was those weird cheese sticks. They were always undercooked and the cheese was always extremely suspect and the marinara sauce was cold. But when they were on, they were very, very on. I also loved the mini corn dogs. I still love a corn dog many times, many times. I have double fisted Sonic corn dogs because those are my favorite. I think I've talked about them before, but let's move right along to our next petty argument. Is it rock, paper, scissors or paper, rock, scissors? It's definitely rock, paper, scissors. And I want to be very clear that it is not rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I feel like people throw that in trying to throw you off your game. I hate when people are like, no, we're going to do rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And I'm like, but my whole my whole game plan is based on rock, paper, scissors. So I guess it's a good way to get in somebody's head if you need to. Next on the list is, should you use warm or cold water to brush your teeth? I actually use both interchangeably. It's like whatever the sink is on, I will usually use. That might be extremely weird, actually. (laughs) But I would not judge anybody for the temperature of their water unless, yeah, I mean, even if somebody was like, no, I like it burning hot. It just feels like it's cleaning more. It feels like it's killing more bacteria because the water is warm. I don't know. I don't think either one is very weird. I'm just I'm just going to be honest. All right. Original versus soft chips ahoy. Original. Of course. I hate soft chips ahoy. They have the exact texture of what I think like biting into a microfiber towel would feel like. All right. There was a version of this next one submitted many, many times. It is a hot topic, pun intended. So I'll read you this one. It says, My parents and I are in an ongoing argument about how warm it should be in the house. My parents keep the wood stove burning until it's at least 78. And when I start opening windows, they say it's cold. But in the summer, they run the AC until it gets below 75. What is the correct indoor temperature? Okay, first of all, I know that that word is a very heavy accent word for me. (laughs) Temperature. I get comments on it all the time, every single time I say it. If you don't think you have an accent, just start a podcast because people will be very quick to let you know which words you say very weird. And temperature is one of them for me. I don't know. All right. So house temperatures are very subjective because, you know, it depends on where you live. I have friends and family that live in California. They like their house a little bit warmer because they're used to it being warmer. But, you know, I still have feelings on this. I have some very strong feelings. I prefer my house at between 68 and 70. I usually say 69, but you know, people are very irresponsible with 69 jokes these days. So I would like it at about 68. 70 is fine, but 71 and above is too cold, or sorry, too hot for me. Far too hot. 67 and 66, like I can get behind if need be, if it's like a very warm day and we've been outside for some strange reason. But I could get behind that. But yeah, 78 is extremely hot. That is lethal. 
I got diarrhea just thinking about being in a room that hot, in case you were curious. Thermostat compatibility was alarmingly high on my list when I was dating people and trying to find somebody to like get serious with. And I remember Matt and I went on a trip and he was like, should we turn the thermostat down to 62? And I was aroused. It was hands down the sexiest thing he had ever said. So that is where I stand on house temperature temperatures. Now I'm all self-conscious about how I say it. But yes, between 68 and 70. Those are my my low and my high. Okay, next. She says, so my husband and I have an ongoing argument about mid-century modern bucket chairs. I think they're cute and he thinks they are the most ugly chairs he's ever seen. We have to order some chairs for our dining room table soon. Thoughts? Well, let me tell you something. I picked this one because I googled what a mid-century modern bucket chair was. You guys know that my interior design knowledge is slim to none. But I googled mid-century modern bucket chairs and there were about 700 options and none of them looked the same. So, I mean, I just put this in here because I wanted to let you know that I don't know who's right and who's wrong. But if you send me a picture, I will let you know. Okay, is compass pronounced compass or compass? Well, I guess that gives it away because that's how I just said it. It's compass. That's how I would say it. There is this really interesting test that you can take on the New York Times website, I think. And it's called, oh gosh, let me make sure I say it right. Okay, it's how y'all use and you guys talk. So it's this quiz and you go through and you answer how you say, this is not an ad, obviously, this is just me telling you something cool you can do. So you answer like how you pronounce certain words, and it will tell you what region of the country your slang is from. And I, I'm i mostly from, or not, I'm mostly from Utah. My slang is mostly from Utah. I have some like Georgia ones because I was born in Atlanta. And then I have some, I even have some like Iowa ones. I think that's where my grandpa's from. And I picked some stuff up from my dad, obviously. But it's actually really interesting. I take it all the time. I'm I'm really fascinated by it. And it's also a really, really good icebreaker and time waster on dates. Like I remember if I was in the car with a guy and it was significantly awkward, I would be like, hey, there's this fun test that we can take and you can and it takes forever and you have to read all these questions and it's wonderful. And then you can know right away if they're like a serial killer because they probably say things like catty corner instead of kitty corner. I'm just kidding. If you say catty corner, that's probably not that weird. All right. Next up on the docket for petty arguments, we have my husband thinks all syrup belongs in the fridge. Pure maple syrup goes in the fridge, but the basic stuff goes in the pantry, right? The label says to keep it stored or keep it stored in a cool place. If it needed to be refrigerated after opening, it would say so. You're right. It would say so. I would not keep any of my syrup in the fridge because I would not buy real maple syrup. I hate real maple syrup. I'm so sorry to like my Vermont and Canadian listeners because I hate real maple syrup. I only like maple syrup that is debatably mostly melted plastic. I want it from a woman's body. I want it to come from an aunt or a missus. That's what I like my syrup to come from. And I'll just throw this out there. The best waffle is an Eggo. It's better than any fancy waffle I've ever had in my life. I love an Eggo with some Mrs. Butterworths. That's my very favorite. Oh, and some melted salted butter. 
Yes, I just have to say how much I love that butter has really brought us together. I love butter so much and I ate it so much as a kid. There are so many pictures of me that my parents have in their house of me honestly taking cubes of butter out of the fridge and taking bites of them. And it was always this really funny, weird inside joke. And I was always really embarrassed of it. Like, I always thought that if somebody found out that I loved butter that like as much as I do that they would like think I'm gross or fat or whatever. And now we've really had a butter revolution. And I love that we talk about it all the time. I love how many butter memes I get sent. I get sent a lot of butter memes. I get sent that uh, butter is very important to me that video I get sent that a lot. And then a lot of you guys will send me uh, like links to Amazon, like Amazon links to pillows that are shaped like bread and butter. And it just it makes me so happy. It makes me so, so happy. Okay. Next up, if you're going to leave dishes in the sink, should they be soaked or rinsed? Okay, dishes were another very hot topic in today's answers. A lot of you are in the middle of mediating this. If I am in charge of doing the dishes, or just when I put my dish in the sink, I would typically rinse it off. Like I would not leave like loose food on the plate and then put it in the side where you soak the dishes. I would rinse it off and then place it in the water if there was something that like couldn't be easily rinsed off, like maybe something sticky or like something that just needs to be soaked. So that's what I would do. We usually have one side that has like warm sudsy water in it for the dishes to soak a little bit. Another dish topic that came up a lot is should you put dirty dishes in both sides of the sink? And to that, I say absolutely not, because the side with the disposal should be free. And then the other side is where you put the dirty dishes because you have to leave the disposal side open for when you rinse the dishes and the food comes off and you put it down the garbage disposal. Man, are we not grateful enough for garbage disposals or what? Because I did not learn that not everybody had them until I did my study abroad and I was in an apartment with obviously like 15 other people and we were sharing a kitchen and this was in England. And every time we ate, we just had to like put the food in the trash and then everything smelled terrible until the end of time. So just if you're free, just go thank your garbage disposal for existing. So that's how I would do it. Another question that came up a lot was how to properly load a dishwasher. Not sure on that one. I don't think I've ever properly loaded a dishwasher. I just put it all in there and I hope it works out in the end. Like, I, I don't know, my dish or my silverware, some is up, some is down. Sometimes I put cups on the bottom. Sometimes I put plates on the top. I mean, the same thing's happening to all of them. I mean, they're all getting the same soap and water sprayed at them. So I just don't think it really matters. But the more I read your guys' petty arguments, I realized that I care about all the wrong stuff. Because Meg was actually teasing me about this the other day, because I do not care what brand of toilet paper or paper towels we buy. I don't buy like the papery, you know, weird toilet paper. But like if it's thick and fluffy and and decently priced, I will buy it. I just never think about the brand of things like that. I never think about which way the toilet paper roll goes. But I am intensely particular about 
how our fridge is organized and especially the sauces on the door. Like I have to go in and reorganize those if they are not in the right place. Like I think that anything sweet should go in one. So like jam and like chocolate syrup or whatever you have in there. I think that sauces, there's dips, there's the sandwich one, there's the butter apartment. But yeah, after reading some of these petty arguments, I realized that I care about all the wrong stuff. So I don't know what way the toilet paper goes. Guys, is it a mullet or is it a waterfall? I don't know. Are you wiping? That's the main thing here. I just want to make sure that your butthole's getting clean. Okay, next. I love this topic so much. I could do this every single week. Okay. She says, my sister-in-law gets upset when I don't come to family get-togethers, even during COVID. She likes to have my kids around to help keep her kids entertained. The last party we didn't attend, she got really upset because her kids became annoying to the adults at the party. I feel like her kids' behavior are not my kids' responsibility. I'd love to see if I'm missing some part of the picture that is my responsibility. First of all, let me applaud you for just being open. I love that last sentence. Let me see if I'm missing a part of the picture. But from where I'm sitting, and based on the information given to me in this submission, I definitely do not think that this is your fault. I do not think it is your responsibility to make sure that you go to things because she thinks that her kids are annoying. Nobody's responsible for her annoying kids except her. Was that a little bit too spicy? That might have been a little bit too spicy, but it's true. I don't think that's your responsibility at all, especially during a pandemic if you don't want to gather. Like that's completely, completely normal. All right. Here we go. You're playing categories. The letter is C. The topic is something you save up for. Generally speaking, is comforter an acceptable answer? What are your thoughts on board games with family? Play by the rules or is it more fun if you're flexible? Well, let me answer the first question and then I will get into those last ones. So would I vote yes on comforter being an acceptable answer for the letter C and something you save up for? I would put no. I, I would give that a thumbs down. Just if that came up in a game I was playing of categories, I would vote no. But let's get into that other question you asked, which is, what are your thoughts on board games with family? Okay, family game night. You will never see me revert quicker to my 12-year-old little sister persona than at a Murphy family game night. Here's the thing. I am not the loudest in my family, which surprises people. I'm also not the most intense, nor am I the funniest. My brothers all have wonderful senses of humor and we we laugh a lot, okay? But we typically play trivia, which is fun. I, I really enjoy a trivia game, but it's hard because I come from a family of 75 people. So then we play things like Scattergories and... At our family game nights, I would say there's there's no middle ground. It is either who can answer the most ridiculous things and who can be the funniest and it's, you know, really lighthearted, no score, no rules, no anything, or we are on the verge of complete family annihilation. I don't know if any of you have played Secret Hitler, but it almost ended the Murphy bloodline one night. And also, yeah, like I was saying, I, I am immediately a 12-year-old little sister. And if somebody even looks at me wrong, I am in tears. You might be asking, Maddie, where is your dear, sweet husband at a moment like this? And I always catch him just kind of slowly backing away when family game night starts because he knows exactly what's coming. So yeah, on a personal level, I definitely prefer it to be a little bit more lighthearted. But I also I, I also like being competitive. I like to win things, especially those games like Secret Hitler. I think, um, what's the other one? Like Werewolf, a lot of families play that. I really like to win. I think that's that's also very, very fun. 
but for family unity's sake and in order to keep the peace, I would I would err on the side of a little more lighthearted. I like a I like a giggly game night. Next up is what is the proper way to eat a string cheese? Should you peel off the strands or bite off chunks? It is called string cheese for a reason. If you want to bite off chunks, buy Baby Bell. That's why those cheese rounds exist. But string cheese is made to be eaten in strings, which is kind of a gross concept if you think too hard about it. Next, my roommate and I are debating whether or not microwaving a cinnamon roll for 30 seconds further bakes the dough and therefore ruins its perfect consistency or does, in fact, not affect the bakedness of the dough. I say no, she says yes. Well, 30 seconds is far too long to be microwaving a cinnamon roll. You should give it 10 seconds at most. I would normally go like seven or eight seconds because if there's icing on top, that's going to melt quick and you don't want a thin, runny, boiling icing. You want it to still stay fluffy. So 30 seconds, way too long. Also, I don't think that it would cook the dough per se, but it would maybe dry it out a little. So I I would say that, yeah, 30 seconds is too long. It's too long. It's 10 or below, 10 or below. You know, I never thought that starting a podcast would include giving my judgments on how long to properly microwave a cinnamon roll, but I'm glad that the path has led us here. Okay. Is sitting in dirty workout clothes all day gross? Probably. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that's gross. Do I do it literally every single day? Absolutely. You don't have to tell me twice that there is a significant amount of exhaust happening in your undercarriage, especially when you work out in leggings. But is that going to stop me? No, because I like feeling like an athlete throughout the day. I wear workout clothes every single day. Do I work out every single day? No, of course I don't. I'm not a psychopath. Of course I don't work out every single day. But yeah, I know that it's gross. I know, but I'm not going to stop and neither should you. All right, this next one is a little bit longer, but I have some serious feelings about it. So let's dive in. She says, I recently started a clothing brand where we embroider on sweat sets. So cute. Our locations for the embroidery work is super unique, so I felt confident in launching the business. I reached out to friends and family to post pictures in the sweat set, share about our launch, etc. My cousin specifically has a pretty great following and runs her own cosmetic business. She posted an unboxing of our clothing and did the whole process supporting me on her Instagram. Fast forward a month into my business up and running. She texts me and says, hey, we love the location for the hoodie embroidery. Would you mind if for my company, we ran some merch with the same location? I said, yes, I do, just because I'm new and I'm trying to get my footing and this spot on the hoodie sets us apart from the other competitors. She asked to speak she asked to speak to me over the phone and on the phone call she was very upset with how I responded. She said it was shocking how I worded things like we aren't family and aren't close. I quickly apologized because I in no way meant to say it sharply. She then says, "I only texted you that out of respect. We already have our samples made with it and I was just being respectful to you." This then made me realize why she was so upset. I told her, "I'm sorry for my text coming off strong, but can you see why this would be so upsetting? You aren't really wanting to hear my opinion. You just want me to say yes and go forward with what you are already in the middle." of doing. You kind of set me up to be the bad guy if I said no. I explained that I totally know copycats can happen and probably will. However, I didn't see those that helped support me in my launch, especially family members, being those copycats. Since this phone call, things have been really rough. We used to work out together all the time, send funny memes, talk about anything. Now it's basically nothing. 
I've tried reaching out a couple times, but nothing. I'm just super confused and I can see how that was a manipulative tactic, but I still love her and want to put this behind us. Was I so wrong in saying no when I'm still small and starting out and she is already established in her business and can do so many different things with her merch? All right, so I don't rage about anything quite like I do stolen ideas. I went on a little bit of a rant about this on my Instagram stories, but I ended up deleting them like five minutes after because here's the thing. When you tell somebody that somebody has taken your idea, they usually come back with, well, aren't you flattered that they wanted to copy you? Like that's that's so nice. You should take it as a compliment. Mm, no, nothing is worse than creating something and thinking of your own idea and putting it out into the world and trying to build something and then having somebody else try to take it from you and benefit from it. And clearly, this girl's cousin knew that she was stealing the design from her cousin. Like she knew that that was happening. Otherwise, she would not have even texted her. She would not have said, hey, do you mind if we borrow your placement? She knew that she was stealing from you. Here's what I don't get. I don't understand why people, when they think of an idea and they think I should do this idea and they can trace back the origin of the idea to somebody else and they can say, that's where I got it from. That's who I'm taking it from. And I'm going to claim it as my own. Hot tip, if you are unable to think of any of your own ideas for your business, you might be in the wrong line of work. If you find yourself taking ideas, not being inspired by that is a completely different thing. Being inspired by something, you know, seeing the basis of an idea and building upon that and changing it in ways to make it your own, that is completely different than just taking somebody's idea. I am always very taken aback by the boldness of people who steal ideas and not even crediting like the original source, the inspiration, just saying, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to I'm just going to do that now. Like I always have this thing in my head that if I think of an idea, it's probably because I've seen it somewhere. So I need to change it in a way to make it my own. Even if I don't know exactly where it comes from. Even if I even if I don't have a direct inspiration. I don't want to do something that exists already. I don't want to create a hoodie that I've seen somewhere else. I don't want to do a knockoff of things. I think it is extremely lame. And I think that in a creative field, you do kind of have to push your ideas so that you're putting something new out there. And I get it that that's hard, but it's better than just stealing ideas. I don't know if you guys have been following the We Were What thing. I don't know. I've never followed this girl. Danielle Bernstein, I think is her name, who owns the clothing line. And she has, I mean, hers are much more egregious. I mean, she has been blatantly stealing designs from small businesses, female-owned businesses, black-owned businesses, and it is a nightmare. It's been actually pretty disgusting to see, but just please just check yourself. Please, if you find yourself wanting to copy somebody's idea or wanting to find inspiration from them, just just make sure you're doing it in a way that credits them appropriately or it asks the correct per- permission or better yet, just push the idea a little bit further and make it more unique. Make it your own. There's a million different things out there to create. There's no reason that you should be like stomping on other people and taking their ideas. I did not expect myself to feel so passionately about this, but after experiencing it a time or two, you just, you really get, you really get fired up when you see other people going through it. Okay, next, petty complaint. She says, when we go swimming, my husband tries to get my hair wet when it's not a hair washing day. It turns into a legit argument. Okay, hell hath no fury like a splashed woman 
who has not yet reached wash day. Do not mess with wash day. It is sacred. It is a ritual. It is time and money. And honestly, splashing your wife when it's not wash day, it just screams like we smash cake in each other's faces at our wedding energy, which I'm just not here for. I tweeted this a few weeks ago and I got some backlash, but I just think it's inconsiderate. I think it just gives the vibe that you don't care about each other's comfort. For real, the very worst fight Matt and I ever got in when we were dating is when he splashed me with a water bottle. We were just playing around and he like sprayed me a like a minuscule amount. And I locked myself in the bathroom and I was like, is this it for us? Like, is this where it ends? And I was like, I'm gonna have to tell my family that I broke up with him because he splashed me with water and nobody's gonna get it. But it was not wash day. Okay, so just I take your side on that fully. I I fully do. He should not be splashing you. It is not funny. Wash day is not something to trifle with. Next, my friend and I have been wanting to start a podcast for years. Go podcasters. And we're finally getting around to it, but it turns out we are in completely different pages. I think we need a rough outline so that we can keep ourselves on track and have somewhat of a topic plan for each episode. She thinks that we can just wing it and talk about whatever random things come to mind in the moment. Please tell her that she's wrong for me. Thanks. Well, I do feel like I I have some experience in this. So I can say what I have have what I have felt works best. And I am on team outline. I do think that it's you will be surprised at how much more organized your episodes will feel and how much more you can think of when you have an outline. I'm not I'm not a fan of winging it. Every time I've tried to do that, I am anxious through the roof. So I am team outline. I mean, also, I'll admit it that I'm not a very good team player. I mean, that shocks no one because I pretty much invented a job where I didn't have to work with anybody. So I can't say much for that. But I do I do prefer an outline when I record. Okay, next. Should you sleep with the bedroom door slash closet open or closed? I say doors closed because it's way better for fire safety and privacy. From who? I don't know, but it just makes me feel more privacy. Husband says doors open for circulation. Okay, both of your arguments are very obscure. Yours is for fire safety and his is for circulation. I think what you are failing to realize is what about the the monsters that hide in your closet? Because I think that's the real issue here. I also can't really give a fair argument because our bed is in our living room. So I don't have a door except my front door, which would be extremely alarming if I slept with that open. But I, if we were in a bedroom, I would definitely sleep with the door closed. That would be my preference. I, I would sleep with it closed because, I don't know, it feels weird. I don't know. It feels like somebody's going to walk in even if you don't live with anybody. I get it. It does feel more private. And closets are all haunted. So you should just keep those closed on principle. Okay, next. My husband and I disagree on the profound question, is the chip for the dip or the dip for the chip? I loathe how much dip my husband will put on the chip. He's basically scooping the dip with the chip and it depletes the dip way faster than necessary. I just like to have a nice ratio of chip for dip, just a nice smooth slather. Also, you need to take into account how many chips you have left with how much dip you have left. I need it to even out. Maybe that's a different argument, but we will never agree on how much dip should be on the chip. Okay, I did some math because... I didn't know exactly the percentage that I agreed with with dip that should be on the chip. But I do think that the dip should cover about 25 to 30% of the chip. 
But I mean, there are so many variables. Is it queso? Is it spinach artichoke? Is it salsa? Is it French onion dip? I mean, there's so many different things. What is the type of chip? Is it a ruffle? Is it a tortilla chip? Is it a pita bread? You just don't know. So I would need more details, but I feel like about a quarter, maybe a little bit more of the chip should be covered in dip. People who are like using the chip as a spoon for dip, a little bit give me the ick. Did I just inadvertently write a rap lyric about condiments? I think I may have. Okay, recently I stayed in an Airbnb with my family and my mom argued that cuties, the little oranges, should not go in the fridge. They are 1000 times more tasty when they are ice cold, in my opinion. I would keep oranges on the counter. I would not keep them in the fridge. Oranges, oranges should be kept on the counter as well as onions and tomatoes. Onions and tomatoes should never go in the fridge and garlic. I know those are none of those are in the same category, but I just wanted to I just wanted to clarify what I believe should stay on the counter. Okay. My husband and I have this argument about the definition of what a stocking stuffer is for Christmas. It all started when I was going to buy a basketball and he said, oh, just add that to my stocking stuffers, but it won't fit inside your stocking, I said, which led to this argument. For me, it is anything that can fit inside a stocking, no matter the price. Even if it is an expensive necklace, if you put it in my stocking, it is a stocking stuffer. For my husband, all inexpensive gifts are stocking stuffers. A basketball could be a stocking stuffer or a large picture frame, regardless of whether or not it can be stuffed inside side of a stocking. Who is right? Okay, this one, you know, this brings up some very interesting points, I will say. Here's how we did things in my family growing up, which I'm not saying is the most correct, but this is this is all I know. We did it like this. We opened stockings first. I feel like they were kind of used as a placeholder to get us to shut up so we didn't wake my parents up too early, but our stockings were always inexpensive things, but they did always fit in the stocking. So it was like a lot of candy. For some reason, we got like cans of mandarin oranges in our stockings. I don't know. Anyone else's dad just like throw in a random item here or there. But yeah, I would say that inexpensive things are stocking stuffers. I mean, I would love it if my stocking was stuffed with diamonds, but I would do stocking stuffers with something inexpensive, but it's normally just candy. I, I feel like, oh man, now we're getting into the dicey arena of what is a proper Christmas tradition, which, I mean, we could do a whole episode on that. But I would say that the inexpensive small things should go in the stocking stuffer. And big things, even if they're inexpensive, should be left out as a regular present. I think that stockings should maybe just be like candy and little games and like maybe a, maybe a pair of socks, maybe a pack of scrunchies, little things like that. However, I am open to being wrong. If you want to give me a stocking stuffed with something small, like, I don't know, $100 bills, I would be I would be okay with that. I would accept. All right. Another surprisingly common one is, should I wear underwear underneath my leggings or not? I'm going to give it a hard no. I've never seen somebody wear underwear underneath leggings and not been able to see it. With that said, that usually means the leggings are a little bit see-through and you can't be wearing those out and about because if you bend over the wrong way, somebody's going to catch a glimpse of an orifice that you don't typically want people to see in the middle of the day. But yeah, I would I would not wear them. It would also get, it gets so bunchy when you wear like two layers of tight things. Okay, is it Reese's Pieces or Reese's Pieces? It is, it is Reese's Pieces. That feels objective to me. 
Oh, I love this one. Okay. My husband does not understand how I always mix up Ewan McGregor and Kenneth Branagh. Please. They are basically the same, except one is older than the other. I'm not sure which one though, because they are the same. All right. I don't relate to this one exactly, but there are several celebrities that I am convinced are the same person. And I have compiled a list of said celebrities. Okay. Jesse Eisenberg and Michael Sarah, Same exact person. Javier Bardem and... What's his face? Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Jennifer Connelly, and Demi Moore. Those two are almost indistinguishable. Natalie Portman and Keira Knightley. Well, I can tell Natalie Portman and Keira Knightley apart for sure. It is it is frightening how much they look alike. Okay, Nina Dobrev and Victoria Justice. I've never been able to tell them apart, ever. Same with Chase Crawford and Ian Somerhalder. Both just they're that type of hot that's just way too hot. It's almost so hot that they're ugly. I've seen this series going around on TikTok, like for celebrities that are hot, ugly, and celebrities that are ugly, hot. So like Adam Driver is a celebrity that is ugly, hot. You know, like there's something about him that's ugly, but you know, he's he's definitely hot. Chase Crawford and Ian Somerhalder are almost so hot that when you look at them, there's something ugly about them. Okay. Also, Minka Kelly and Leighton Meester, identical twins. So while I don't agree with you and McGregor and Kenneth Branagh, I see where you're coming from because this happens to me a lot. Also, I know the guy in Kingsman is not Stanley Tucci, but on more than one occasion, I have convinced myself that it is Stanley Tucci. Okay. Pillows. My husband thinks there's no such thing as a decorative pillow or a pillow just for looks and that every pillow should be comfy enough to take a nap on. Thoughts? Well, I've said it once and I'll say it again. You guys know that my interior design skills do not exist. I can see rooms that I like, but as far as putting anything together, I'm I'm useless. I will never be able to do that. That is Matt's arena. He likes, you know, putting rooms together and all that. And I am kind of on the team of I think that pillows should be comfy. I don't like anything like beaded or heavily embroidered. I do like the look of them. And we have a couple decorative pillows, but I I do like a big, soft, cozy throw pillow. However, this brings me to the larger issue at hand. How expensive are pillows? Pillows and rugs are truly the most overpriced items that I have ever encountered in my whole life. When I had to buy a throw pillow for the first time, I went to Target, which is obviously like not a high-end place to buy pillows. And I picked up a throw pillow thinking it would be like eight or nine dollars. And even that was a stretch for me. I was like, I'm gonna have to spend nine dollars on this. 45. They were $45. I could not believe it. And so that's why I lean on the side of they should be comfy enough to take a nap on because if I'm going to spend nigh $50 for a pillow, it better be, that's more expensive than the pillow I sleep with like at night. So I just, I have to make it worth it if I'm going to spend that on a throw pillow. Also, don't even get me started on rugs. I can't even, I can't even think about rugs without being thrown into a blind rage. Oh gosh, this next one. Is it normal to cut the moldy part off of food and eat the not moldy part. No, no, that is just, that is a, that is a hard no. If there is mold on any part of the food, especially like on a piece of bread, it's just been marinating in that little, you know, cellophane bag with the the mold. It, it, it all has to go. All right. I say that mayo is better. My husband says Miracle Whip is better. Who is right? 
Obviously, it goes without saying that mayo is much better than Miracle Whip. I'm about to ruin Miracle Whip for you guys. Okay. You know those trees in the spring that bloom? They're white and they smell terrible. I imagine those taste like Miracle Whip. That's the like that's the scent they give off. They also smell like something else, which is inappropriate to say on the podcast, but I'm really hoping that somebody out there picks up what I'm putting down. But yeah, mayo I can get behind. I like a I like a healthy slather of mayo. I also like to put it on the outside of a grilled cheese because it doesn't burn as fast as butter and it's delicious, but Miracle Whip I cannot and will not allow that in my home. Next up in Maddie's court of petty problems, is it okay to recline your seat on a plane? Yes or no and why? Okay, I'm going to say yes because it's easier for everybody to agree to yes, like uh, like on a plane. Like it's easier for everybody to say, okay, it's annoying that you are reclining on me, but if you're going to do that, then I'm going to recline back. And then it's kind of like this mutual agreement that we're all okay. You know, you win some, you lose some, you lose a little leg room, you win a little recline. So I would say yes, I always recline my seat. And in turn, that means that I cannot be upset if the person in front of me reclines. Okay, this is, are we getting towards the end here? How long have we, oh, we have time for a few more. All right, I'm almost positive this has been brought up before, but she says, Judge Maddie, okay, sitting or standing for wiping your butt, please send help. Alarmed that we have made it this far in life without an official ruling on this, but yes, you should be sitting when you wipe your butt. Your hand is not gonna touch the water. Nothing weird is gonna happen. It's a It's a much much messier situation if you stand up and your cheeks go together. It's just, it's a whole thing. This is what my mom would call bathroom humor. And it's usually not allowed at our house, but I have my own podcast now, so I can talk about bathroom humor whenever I want. All right. I'm always disagreeing with my husband about whether being a couple minutes late is a big deal to work, plans with friends, class, church, etc. I'm always rushing and stressing and he's always so chill. Please settle this so I can stop irrationally double stressing for the both of us. We both listen together. Okay, I am always on time. I'm always on time, especially if I have plans with like one person. Like I would, I would feel too bad to be late unless it's obviously an accident and like something happens, traffic pulled over, you know, maybe you hit a pigeon. I get it. Things happen and people are late, but I really, really, really try to be on time. And I just think that it's, it's respectful. It's respectful for the person that you're meeting and it tells them like, Hey, I care about our time together. I want to make sure that I'm there. And I, I should probably like ease up on how I feel about late people. Like that's one one thing that I get really upset at, but I should be more understanding. But I do think it's good to be on time, if not if not a little bit early. I am usually freakishly early to things, which I don't recommend. Like I'm usually so early to things that I need to pull over and like wait for 15 minutes in my car. But I do understand that if it's more of a group thing, like a group activity or if it was class, I would be late to class. That doesn't really that doesn't really bother me. I guess it's mainly like if it is a set plan with a friend or like a double date or a date especially, uh, those are the things that I would absolutely be on time. Or like, you know, therapy or a doctor's appointment. Those are always the things that I'm way too early to because I'm usually pretty anxious about going to them. So I think that if I get there early, I'll give myself time to, you know, have a panic attack in the parking lot. 
Next up, we have, is it abnormal to put lotion on after you shower or not? My sisters and I do, but a lot of people we know don't. What's your verdict? I mean, it totally depends. This is a preference thing. I am a lotion fiend. I definitely like I do. I lotion my whole body after I get out of the shower, but also I live in Utah. So my skin looks like SpongeBob when he wants that glass of water. You know, that's kind of what my skin, my skin is like after I shower. All right, we'll end on this one because I feel I feel some feelings about it. I don't know why I announce that every time. Like, obviously, you guys know that I have feelings about obscure topics. So she says, what is the best way to put on a bra? Should you clasp it in the front and twist or reach behind and clasp? Let me tell you the best way to put on a bra. Don't put on a bra with metal in it. You should never put on a bra that has a clasp. We put bras over our head or we step into them and they should be made entirely of spandex. I really think that if I ever ran for public office, I would run on that platform that I think that all women should be free of wearing bras. And I am confident that I could win something. I, I don't know, student body president. I could win. I could. I know it. Oh, no, we're getting towards the end of the episode and there's still some that I want to do. OK, I'm just going to rapid fire some of these. OK, does my partner need to wear a helmet when she rides her dirt bike? Absolutely, yes. If you're listening to this and you ride a dirt bike with no helmet, I want to speak to you directly. Please wear a helmet. Next, how do you say Worcestershire sauce? I don't know. I would say it just like that, and then I would probably make a joke about how I don't know how to pronounce it. I would call it Worcestershire sauce. I think it's Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Oh my gosh, I hated hearing myself say that so many times. Can milk be mixed? Absolutely not. If a gallon has a little bit left in it and another gallon has more, you cannot mix the two. Absolutely not. Always segregate your milk. Does blinking yellow light mean yield or caution? Not sure. I didn't even know that yield and caution had different definitions, so I don't know. Should you use a loofah in the shower? No, you should not use a loofah. You should use a brush of some sort because loofahs are disgusting and they harbor a lot of bacteria. Please don't use loofahs. Use something else, even your hands. I'm, I'm, I'm more on board with your hands. And our last one, bone in or boneless wings. Let me say this once and for all. There's no such thing as boneless wings. Those are chicken nuggets. Those are chicken nuggets with thicker breading. The only type of wings are ones with a bone in them. And that is how I rule on all of these petty problems. I hope that I have settled arguments. I probably caused a few, but that's all right because none of these matter anyways. All right. Well, before I go before I officially sign off of this episode. I do just want to remind you guys how grateful I am for you. Sorry. I know I get weird and sentimental, but I just, I love you all so much. And the fact that you guys listen and you post on your stories and you tell your friends and you rate and review and your DMs mean everything to me. And I just, I'm really, really, really appreciative that you guys have made this work and we're coming up on a year. I want to do something fun for the one year anniversary, but Overall, just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you more than anything. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. 